0: I'm really happy to be here today. Um, I believe that God has a really uh, special word that he wants to share with you. But before we do that, why don't we open up in prayer. Um, God, we love you. We adore you. You are our greatest desire, our greatest treasure. And Lord, there is no one that we would rather see There's no voice that we would rather hear but yours. So I ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak to your sons and daughters today for your glory, for your renown. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, how many of you guys were here a couple weeks ago when Jeremy, he preached about the wilderness? Do you guys remember that? It was a really powerful sermon. If you guys didn't get a chance to hear it, I highly recommend that you go on the podcast and you listen to it. Um, but in the sermon, he talked about like what is the wilderness? Uh, what does God do in the wilderness? And he gave, uh, he told us about some special blessings that can only come in the wilderness. And you know, as I was preparing for this week, I really felt like there was more that God wanted to say about that season of our life. And so today, Jeremy's sermon was called, Why the Wilderness? My sermon today is called, The Wilderness Hashtag But Why Though? (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of like a part two to Jeremy's sermon. I didn't ask him for permission, so I hope that's okay. But um, just to, like, kind of piggyback off his where he left off. Yeah. Okay. So, um... I'll just really quickly, for uh, those of you guys who may be unfamiliar, when we refer to the wilderness, it's like basically any season in your life that seems like barren or empty or that seems like it's lacking in life. Or, or biblically too, the wilderness was also a place where God's people um, faced hunger, faced struggle, faced trial, faced testing. And so, when we refer to, uh, when we say that we're in a season of wilderness, that's what we're referring to. When it feels like maybe all the doors in your life are being shut. Maybe it feels like you've had promises in your life and it feels like you've gone nowhere. Or maybe it feels like it's just been trial after trial, testing after testing, struggle after struggle. Or maybe inwardly you feel like, your world is being flipped upside down. Even though outwardly nothing's happening, maybe inside all you feel is turmoil and it's like you don't even know who you are anymore. Your world is just chaos and turmoil and struggle and pain. Or maybe you feel like God, How come I can't feel your presence? How come I can't hear your voice the way that I used to? What happened? If any of those, if you've ever experienced any of those, you might have been in a season of wilderness. And so the reason why that we call it a season is because you were not meant to stay in that place forever. And I want you to know if you are in that season right now where it just feels like trial after trial and testing after testing, you are not meant to stay in that place. You were not meant, it was not God's intention for you to settle down and live in that place of barrenness. But when we look at the Old Testament, when God led his people in Exodus to the promised land, the way that he took them was the way of the wilderness but it was never God's intention for his people to settle in that land of barrenness and dry and dry desert but his intention was to lead them to the promised land to a land flowing with milk and honey to a land of abundance that was his intention and so if you are in that season now i want you to take heart and take hope that it will not it was not meant to be forever and whenever and i want us to also bear in mind that the promised land that God intends to lead us to, that he intends to lead every single one of his sons and daughters to, it's not a promised land of abundance of external realities. It's not external circumstances. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy and you're going to have exactly the kind of job you want, exactly the kind of husband you want, exactly the kind of friendships that you want. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means, the promised land is the land of of intimacy the promised land is the land where you and God are one and you know him intimately as one and it's the promised land within your heart and so that's what I want to talk about today Um, we're going to look at Hosea chapter 2 verses 14 through 20 Um, If you guys have your Bibles, you could turn with me there or you could just feel free to look up at the screen. And we're reading from um, the NIV version because that's the version that I grew up with and that's the version that I'm familiar with. So it's all about what I want to do today. Um, So Hosea chapter 2 verse 14 through 20. It says, starting from verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master I will remove the names of the bales from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. Amen. So um, just to give you guys like a brief background of the book of Hosea. um, Basically, in the book of Hosea, God tells the prophet Hosea to go and marry a prostitute named Gomer. And Gomer... Uh, She kind of represents the nation of Israel because at that time, uh, Israel was under, like, one of the most evil kings that ever reigned in their history. And he, basically, the people, like, forgot about God. They rebelled against God. They worshipped other idols. They did, like, even by our standards, they did, like, despicable things in the sight of God. But God tells Hosea, Hosea, go marry this prostitute. And he does it. But after they get married, she's unfaithful to him. She leaves him and she chases after other lovers. She goes back to her old way of life. And God tells Hosea, Hosea, instead of letting her go, I want you to go find her. Bring her back home and love her as your wife again. And so Hosea does that. And as he does that, it is a prophetic act, a prophetic declaration of God's heart and his plans for his people. That in the same way, even though his people were unfaithful, they rejected him. They turned away from him and they chased after other gods. God's plan of restoration was for his people And he did that. He showed that prophetically through the prophet Hosea. And you know what? The thing that I love about this story is that there were so many, like, relationships that God could have chosen to convey his heart, to convey this act um, of love for his people. There are so many different relationships and examples that he could have Used, but I love the fact that he chose the relationship between a husband and a wife. The husband and a wife. And I, if you look at the passage, all throughout this passage, when God is speaking about his plans of restoration and his plans of redemption for his people, the language that he uses is the language of intimate relationship, of closeness. If you look at the words that he uses, he says, therefore... I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. In verse 16, in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and you will no longer call me my master. And he, in the wilderness, he makes covenants with his people in faithfulness, in love, and in compassion. And in the wilderness is where he betroths his people. And he says, I am your God and you are my people. I am the husband, you are the wife, and I will love you no matter what. That is where it happens. It's in the wilderness. And you know, I, I really I really like the idea that God is actually very romantic. <laughs> if you look at this language, it is romantic AF. Like uh, he's like wooing his people. He's wooing them. But I find it funny that when God woos his people, when God allures his people. He doesn't allure them to a land that's lush and green at first. He lures them, He allures them into the wilderness, into the place of barrenness, into the place of emptiness where it feels like nothing around you, where everything around you is being stripped away, when it feels like your world is turning upside down, you don't even know where you're going, when it feels like all around you is just barren desert, that's the place where God leads you. To show you, I'm with you. And you know, a lot of times I think when we're in that place in the wilderness, sometimes we feel like, like, God, oh, God, I'm here because God is trying to teach me a lesson. Or I'm here because there's something wrong with me and God wants to fix it in my life. Or I'm here because, oh, I haven't surrendered everything. And, you know, there's still more that God wants to, like, strip away from my life so that I'll only, like, love him. I'll only want to be with him. Or sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm here because I'm so holy. And, like, God wants to, like, he wants me, He wants everybody to see, like, how great I can walk through this trial. Or, or sometimes we even think that I'm here in this place of struggle because God is preparing me for ministry. He's preparing me to be effective in the kingdom. And I'm not saying that those that that will not happen. Or sometimes we we'll, we think that I'm going through these struggles, I'm going through this hardship, or I'm going through this season of wilderness because um yeah, because God wants to show me something. Wait, what was I going to say? <laughs> Um Yeah, sometimes we feel like we're going through this season um, because there's something wrong with us. Um, but I want us to know, I feel like sometimes when we're in that place, all we can see is the emptiness around us. But God is leading us in that place. Not because he wants to teach us a lesson or strengthen us or give us endurance. Not because he wants us to be like super strong Christians that can't be shaken or that can't be moved. But God leads us to that place because he wants oneness with you. Because he wants you to know in that place of trial, in that place of testing, in that place of difficulty, I am with you. I am with you. And it's not It's not his goal to show you that I'm strong on your behalf, though he will. It's not his goal to show you how powerful he is and how strong he is and how he can deliver you from all of your struggles, which he will and which he is. But there's a deeper reason for that. There's a deeper reason for being in that place of barrenness. There's a deeper reason for being in that place of wilderness. And it is so that he would build a foundation of trust. Because without trust, you cannot have intimacy. Without trust, you cannot build a loving relationship and build depth of relationship. So he's putting you in that place so that you would know that, God, I can trust you. That, God, you are with me. And not only will you deliver me for the sake of showing your power and for the sake of showing your might, but you will deliver me because you are with me and you love me and because you desire to walk for me to know your goodness for me to know your heart and to walk in oneness with you and you know it's in the wilderness that god removes the things that are barriers to intimacy he gives you a right perspective of who he is he removes the unbelief and the mistrust in your life that god will you really be faithful god are you really for me it's in the wilderness that he's He addresses those things in your heart and in your mind so that you can walk in full intimacy without any fear of him rejecting or forsaking or leaving you. And I also want to make a point that as you are walking through your struggles, as you are walking through this season, if you are in that season right now at this very moment, God is making history with you. He's making history with you and the best relationships, the best friendships that I have are the ones where we have history together. You know, we've walked through some things together. You sat with me in the pit. I sat with you in the pit. We walked through it together. I prayed with you I cried with you I mourned with you it's those friendships that stand the test of time those friendships that cannot be easily moved it's those relationships and God in this moment if you are walking in the season of wilderness God is saying I am making history we are making relational history with each other right now I am building that
1: foundation of trust so that you will know that when you come out of this season you will look back and you will say God was with me you were there you were for me you knew me you loved me you sat with me in that place and you were with me and I love you and I trust in you you will be able to say that at the end of your
0: season when you when God brings you out of it you will be able to look back and see that it was you and it was God and you went through it together and nothing no matter what you face in the future no matter what storms come in your way you will not be moved, you will not be shaken because you have that relational history with the Lord. He is building that history, that story of your life where it's you and Him. And I don't know what you are facing right now. I don't know what kind of struggles, what kind of heartache you are carrying right now. What kind of walls you're coming up against right now. But in this moment, God is saying, my child, I am with you and that is all that matters. I am bringing you to a land of abundance in the secret place of your heart amen so i want us to sh- uh, i wanted to share a couple practical things um about what to do when you are in that season of wilderness okay so these are just some things that i have learned and uh, picked up on the way in my season of wilderness um, but number one and this is probably the most important thing To remember and to do when you're in that season because it can feel like it can just feel like chaos when you're in that season even though maybe nothing's happening in your life internally it can feel like chaos it can feel like like everything is being flipped upside down so the most important thing that you need in that season is to cling to the Word of God you know um, when I was in college My junior year of college was when I first really truly encountered the Lord, like, in a real way. You know, I grew up in church all my life, but it wasn't until my junior year of college that God met me where I was. And it was then that I decided to give my life to Christ. And the whole year, like, it was the beginning of my junior year. The whole year, it was like I felt like I was living in, like, a a real-life musical. Like, it just felt so... Because it was a season that I was coming to know the Lord truly for who he was. And he was, like, alluring me, as it says in Hosea. He was drawing me into his presence. And I was learning to fall in love with him. And I remember, like, like, every day, like, Phil knows. We went to college together. But um, we would go to the, uh, I would go to the library. Phil would be there sometimes. We'd go to the library. (laughs) (laughs) actually Phil lived in the library (laughs) so um yeah so every day I would go to the library at like 7 a.m um and I would sit in the library and I would open up my bible and I would read the word and do my devotional time with God and I just remember like in that season every day that I did that like I was so hungry for the word and God met me in that place and I would be like crying weeping in the library like at 7 a.m. like like while people are studying for exams like I looked crazy like just weeping by myself but I remember that time it was so sweet and it was so special because God was leading me and he was romancing me but you know as soon as junior year ended and I started my senior year of college um something happened relationally between me and one of my uh, good friends and at that time it was so weird because the thing that happened between us and what happened is not important but what happened between us it triggered all of these like insecurities it triggered all of this like emotional baggage and all of this pain and as soon as that happened I couldn't hear the voice of God I couldn't feel his presence I, I felt like I felt like all this year I could enter into his presence so sweetly and so easily but all of a sudden as soon as this relational issue happened with my friend I felt like he turned his back on me and he walked away. And you know it was out of everything that had happened with my friend that was the most painful most difficult thing to experience was feeling like God you rejected me. God you forsook me and i can't feel your presence i i cannot hear your voice i feel so far away i feel like you are so distant and cold and i can't feel you anymore what happened and you know in that season when i couldn't hear the voice of god when i couldn't feel his presence When I felt rejected by him, when I felt so hopeless, and every day I would wake up wanting to die. Every day I would wake up with no hope and in such despair, the only thing that I had, the only thing I had was the word of God. And even though when I read the word, I felt nothing. I didn't feel anything. I felt dead inside. All I felt was my pain. But when in that season, God anchored me in his word. He anchored me in his truth because when you are in that place, the enemy will do everything he can to keep you in despair, to keep you in hopelessness. And the only weapon that you have in that place is the word of God to anchor your soul when it feels like everything around you is in chaos and in turmoil. So, the word of God. The second thing, this is also important don't go through it alone. If you are in the wilderness season right now, God, it was not God's intention for you to walk through it alone. If we look at Second Samuel chapter 15 verses
1: 19
0: through 21, um, this is a story of when David is, King David is fleeing from his son Absalom, who is trying to take his life so that he could be king. Um, and as he's fleeing, he, and he's actually fleeing into the wilderness. As he's fleeing into the wilderness, David's men, they decide to go with him. Um, And one of the people that decide to go with David, uh, his name is Ittai the Gittite. Um, But it says, the king said to Ittai the Gittite, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. And today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I am going? Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. But Ittai replied to the king, as surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. So Even as David is fleeing into the wilderness, God provides him with people who will say, I will not leave you. I will go where you go. I will go with you. And same for you. If you are in a season of wilderness and you don't even know where you're headed and it feels like you're just wandering around, God's intention is for people to come and surround you and to say, I'm with you. And wherever you go, even though you don't even know where you're going, wherever you go, I will go with you. I will sit with you. I will fight your battles with you. I will believe on your behalf. And I will not leave your side. And, and the funny thing about that, the, actually the great thing about that, is when God provides people to surround you, to walk with you in that season... Your losses are not only their losses, your victories are their victories as well. And the victory that God provides, it multiplies and it increases. And so when people are coming to you in that place and they want to walk with you, do not reject them. Do not tell them, no, it's okay, I got this. Or I'm I'm doing fine, it's okay. No, because your victories will be their victories, okay? Number three, be real and honest with God we look at psalm 13 um i love reading through the psalms because like these are the most real raw prayers that you will read in the bible um in psalm 13 again king david who is fleeing uh to the wilderness he says how long lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me if you look at this psalm david is not telling god everything's fine you're great my life is great he's not trying to be like that good perfect son that only shows god like the goodness and i i feel like that's sometimes that's our response we feel like we're complaining to god and we feel like that's sinful we feel like that's not allowed like we have to give god our best you know but i believe if you look at the example of david He was so real with God. He he was so real. He was so honest. And I think it was because he had that relational connection with God where he knew God is not surprised by the way that I feel. He's big enough to handle my frustration. He's big enough to handle my disappointment. He's big enough to handle my discouragement. and And he's not offended by my pain. God is not offended by your pain. When you are struggling with God with God himself when you are frustrated with God himself when you are disappointed by God himself he is not offended by that he can handle it and it's only when you're real and honest and true before God it's only when you are truly vulnerable before him that he can really begin to heal you in that place when he can really begin to restore you in that place so don't try to pretend with God like everything is fine when it's not be real And the last thing, uh, the last thing to do if you find yourself in the season of wilderness, and this is probably one of the hardest things, is to surrender the need to understand why. Because, you know, when we're walking through trouble, when we're walking through hardship, that's often the first question that comes into our head is why? Why? Why am I going through this? Why is my life so hard and theirs isn't? Or why did this happen to me and not to them? Or why am I here? God, why why are you doing this to me? But if you look again at Psalm 13, David, he says, how long, my Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? You know, he asks a lot of questions, but the one thing that he doesn't ask is why. And I think the reason why that David doesn't ask God why he's going through all of these struggles, the reason is because I think he knows that he will be disappointed. Because if you are asking God, if you're searching for the answer as to why this is happening in your life, and why you have to go through this, or why God didn't show up in this way, but he did for that person, you will be disappointed. Because... The why is not important. The point of the wilderness is not the why. The point of the wilderness of what you're going through is not so that you will understand why it's happening. The point of the wilderness is the who. Who are you going through it with? Who is with you? Who is for you? That's the important question to ask, not why. Not why is this happening, but who. Who is with you, okay? Um, many years ago um, I received a promise from God and it was like a really big promise it was it was and it was a very specific promise you know it wasn't one of those promises where it's like oh it's kind of vague like yeah I could kind of see like either God will do yeah he'll do that yeah for sure it's like in the word you know but this was a promise that was like for sure it will happen or it won't It's like all bets are in. You're either going to believe it or you won't because it was that black and white. And basically, this was many years ago, but basically, but not that many years ago because I'm not that old. But, (laughs) um, yeah, many years ago, God gave me a promise and he promised, the promise that he gave me was about a specific person. And I believed that God gave me a promise about this specific person that this was the man that I was going to marry. Yeah. I know it's really crazy yeah it it was a specific person that i knew and i believe like god told me this is the one and when i first heard it obviously i'm like what like obviously i'm gonna question that like i'm not gonna be like okay you know so i questioned it i doubted it for a really long time and i asked god i said god if this is really you Like, I'm not going to hold on to this. That's psycho. Like, why would I? I'm not going to believe that if it's not you. Like, it has to be you. The only way that I would hold on to a promise like this is is 100% from you. And so I asked God. I prayed. I prayed. I asked God, give me confirmation, confirmation. And you know what? He gave me confirmation. Like, again and again and again. And he even confirmed it when I did my QT through his word. I'll give you an example. Um, so I-, I held on to this promise for a while. It had been like maybe a year, uh, a year or so. And I was like, God, I can't do this. I'm like, I don't know if. Like, it it didn't feel right to me to fully, like, let go and surrender or just let it go because, like, God, if this is from you, like, I want to be obedient and steward that. You know, I want to believe. If this is something that you are asking me to believe in faith, like, I want to believe that. And so, but after, like, a couple months of that, I was like, okay, I can't do it. Like, I've had enough of this. Like, I don't want to hold on to this if it's not from you. That's so crazy, you know. So I asked God. I was like, okay, God. I basically gave him an ultimatum. I was like, God... My birthday's coming up. For my birthday, I need this is the only thing that I want from you for my birthday. I want to know for sure. I need to know. I need to know. I can't hold on to this any longer. So, this is the thing this what I said to God. I feel I'm like cringing right now <laughs> cuz it's so corny. But <laughs> what I told God was I said, "Okay God, on my birthday, if this promise is really from you, And something that you want me to keep believing and keep hoping in then on my birthday I want to see a rainbow I want to see a rainbow (laughs) you know just like Noah saw a rainbow in the sky like when God made his promise I was like I want to see a rainbow I'm cringing (laughs) (laughs) so that's and I told God I was like okay God if I don't see a rainbow on my birthday like I'm done I'm done with this like it's over um, I'm so tired of believing and looking like a fool like feeling like a fool you know so finally my birthday it rolls around and I'm walking outside and it's like the clearest most beautiful sunny day like ever like there's not a cloud in the sky it, um, it's just gorgeous so I was like okay like all right okay I have clarity I like now I know now I know. And then finally, like, the sun set. Uh, but still, I'm, like, looking in the sky, like, oh, it's a meeting in Atlanta? But no, nothing. So finally, the sun went down. It was time to go to sleep. But before I went to sleep, I logged onto my Facebook. And as we all do. So I logged on to Facebook. And um, what I saw on Facebook freaking blew my mind. Because when I logged on to, uh, to Facebook on my birthday, I, had, I saw that the guy that God promised to me. On his birthday, he post, he recorded a video that was recorded on his birthday, but he posted it on my birthday, not knowing, not knowing. But this video, in this video, it was a video of a double rainbow in the sky. <laughs> yeah, a double rainbow in the sky and someone in the video was like, oh look, God gave you a double rainbow for your birthday in the video. But he didn't post that video. It happened on his birthday, but it didn't. He didn't post it until my birthday, and I happened to see it that night before my birthday ended. Guys, how do you explain that? You know, like I'm not crazy. Like I, I can't make this up. Like how do you explain that? So obviously, it's like okay, God. Like it can't get any more clear to me. Like I can't let go. I I have to keep believing. And you know it was torture. It was torture, believe believing in a promise like that, believing that God, this is the man that I'm gonna marry. When he doesn't even care who, he doesn't even care about me. Like he doesn't even like me. He doesn't even know like anything. You know, like it just, I, I felt every day like so foolish. But every day that I prayed and I asked God, God, like, you have to tell me. Even after. I said, God, you have to tell me. You have to tell me. I can't. I don't want to, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I would either get confirmation or silence. So I couldn't, I couldn't let go. And do you know how long I believed that promise for? Five years. Five years of my life. I believed and I hoped I didn't date. I didn't look at anyone else. I kept believing and I kept hoping for five years. And do you know what happened at the end of five years? He got married. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He got married to someone else while I was still believing. Yeah. Can I invite the worship team to come up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the end. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I believed for five years and he got married to someone else. And you know, the most crushing thing about that experience? It wasn't that I felt so foolish. It wasn't that I felt rejected by this person. It wasn't that I felt like I'd wasted years of my life the most crushing thing about that experience was feeling like god you failed me god I trusted you. I believed in you. I gave you my heart. And it felt like you took it and you dropped it on the floor. And you didn't care.
1: You fe- How could you be so careless with my hopes? How could you be so careless with my heart? I begged you. I begged you again and again and again. Please give me understanding. Please give me clarity. Please, I want to know if this is from you or if it's not. And you know it never
0: happened. It never happened. And that feeling of God, you disappointed me. I trusted you and you failed me. And you know what? Even years after all of that happened, guys, I still don't have an answer for it. I still don't know. I have no idea why God would give me a promise like that and ask me to believe for five years and to have it amount to nothing. I have no idea, I don't understand. But you know what, I don't regret that experience for a single moment. I don't regret walking through that, walking through that season of wilderness when I'm holding on to a promise and it feels like it's so impossible. And you know what, it was impossible. It never happened. But the The purpose of that was not so that I would be married to this person or the purpose of that wasn't so that God could show himself like, see, I promised it, I'm going to deliver. That wasn't the point. The point was that in my place of brokenness, in my deepest disappointment, in my deepest bitterness and anger and, and lack of understanding, in my deepest heartache before God. God was with me. He was there in that place. He was there with me. And he said, my daughter, it was never about, it was never about this person. It was never about this promise. It was always about you and me. That I would walk with you through it. That I would be with you. And when you come out
1: of that season, you will know my heart in a deeper way. You will know who I really am. You will know how deep my affections go for you. Beyond the circumstances of your life. Beyond what your life may look like. Beyond the things that you are facing. My love for you goes deeper than that. It goes deeper than whatever reality you are in the reality of my love is greater the reality of my heart is greater for you my daughter my son I am leading you I am leading you to a land that is lush and thriving I'm leading you to a land of abundance though at the moment right now it feels like you're in the desert it feels like there's nothing in your life you have nothing to show for it feels like your life is barren though at that moment it feels like that I am leading you to a land of abundance and the place of abundance that I am leading you to is a place that is in the secret place of your heart it's in the deepest place of your heart where you know that I'm with you where you know that it is me and you together and I will never leave you nor forsake you I want us to if you could all rise with me
0: We're gonna spend some time in worship before the Lord. You have a moment right now to choose to see, see when, when all of these things happen. I had a choice to make: whether or not I was gonna harden my heart to God, or whether I was gonna keep believing that He is good, that He loves me, that He is with me, and all those times that we had before that they were real. That what I heard in the secret place it was real. That our relationship was real. You have a moment right now to believe, God, I don't understand why this had to happen in my life. I don't understand why I had to walk through this. But God, I'm taking this moment to say it's not about my understanding. It's not about knowing why. But it's about you and it's about me. And I'm going to walk I'm going to choose to walk through this with my heart open to you. So can we, as we worship, can we have that heart response that, God, I'm going to choose to worship you. I'm going to choose to believe that you are good and that you are for me. I want us to provide a space where if you feel like there have been some things that have happened in your life, some disappointments that you have walked through, some seasons of discouragement, seasons of barrenness, I want you to, I want to create this time and this space for you to surrender your need to understand why to surrender your questions before the Lord of why this had to happen or why do I have to walk through this. Surrender your need for understanding. I want us to come to a place where we can say that, God, it's not important why those things have happened. It's not important why for me to understand why. What's important is that it's you and me. What's important is that
1: you are with me and I will be with you. Even if I have to walk through the hottest desert, my choice is to be with you as you are with me. I will not leave you, God. I will not harden my heart to you. I will not resent you, but I will choose to stay in this place with you. I will choose to walk through this together with you. And if that's you, I want to open up this altar for you to come before the Lord and for you to say, God, even though I have to walk through this, I'm with you. As you are with me, I'm with you. And I surrender the need to understand. I surrender my need to know why. I lay it before you because I say that you are the one that I want. You are my desire. Nothing else, nothing else but you. If that's you, I want to invite you to come.